Today is January 17th, and the Turtleheads have Dave, Tricky, and Mr. Shang King in the house. But we also have special guest Mr. P. Sean Howard, University of Maryland basketball star, on the show. That's a good interview. Talks a lot of things. Talks Chance the Sniper. Who would have thought P. Sean knows Chance? We also talk Gary Williams, Mark Turgeon. Great episode. You're going to like this one. And also, check out the new intro song for the Turtleheads. Thank you, Connor Oakley. Here we go. Buckle up. Let's ride. I'm P. Sean Howard from Maryland University, and you're listening to Turtlehead Podcast. I mean, I'm Monk, and I have Maryland pride. Go Turks, go Orioles, and go Ravens. Shout out, Turtleheads. Me the rock, I'm a ball like I'm Lenny I'm about to score, I don't care about no goalie Did it myself, I did this by my lonely Don't care about fakes, I don't care about a phony I beat it up like I'm Kenner Medley I did it all when they never believed I got like 30, I made me like 30 I feel like I'm hurt, I shoot from the three I got my eyes and I cross on my T's I race the car so the gas is on E Like Gunnar Henderson running the scene The whip push the start, I don't care about a key They want one way, so then I went another way Don't care about the past, future, or another day Focus on what's in front of me I'm gonna win, I don't care about the other team Alright, so the Terps are hot uh, We just beat Illinois, top 10 Illinois Real quick, Tricky, can you tell me The last time Maryland won a road game Versus a top 10 team With people in the house Because, there's your hint We did do it during COVID, but that doesn't count can you tell us the last time Maryland were on the road, beat a top 10 team with people in attendance? With people in attendance. Hmm. I would say that's probably been quite some time ago. Um, Why do I feel like you what, know the answer? Was Mello still on the team by then, or was it before that? Mello wasn't even in high school. Wow. Uh, was it when we uh, beat number one North Carolina? Yes. January 19th, 2008, Martin Luther King weekend. Tricky, just pouring it out. That was one of my uh, favorite trivia master for nothing. Uh, yeah, th- I'm 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 a regular blind squirrel over here. But did you really uh, not know that? Was that just a guess? It's one of my favorite Maryland games ever. I was hoping that that was the answer, but I only gave that answer because it was one of my favorite viewing experiences, as that is the one and only game I ever watched in the basement. Of one Judge Hot Dog yes. Simpkins. You brought that up before. Yeah. Yes. It's gone full circle now. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'll never forget that experience. It was it was quite a time and uh, certainly a great game by our shellbacks. Yeah, I, I would have guessed Mello, too, because it seems like we beat a lot of ranked teams when he played. but he, just He never did it. Just not on the road, I guess. Turgeon but, never beat yeah. a top 10 team on the road. I think he only had maybe one or two top 25. But, yes, that was a uh, a great game. Bumbuli Osby falling to the floor. Uh, what a time, what a time. So anyway, let's talk about the game, Illinois itself. Uh, I watched it on my phone right before Richard Caven's wedding. Congratulations to Richard for getting married. Um, when the last buzzer sounded, the bride came walking down the aisle. So it worked out perfect for me, but I think Maryland played a somewhat perfect game. Turnovers were low. Defensive was great. The shooting still wasn't tremendous, but it was better. And someone said, well, Illinois had a bad game. I disagree. I think Maryland has had a great game. Dave? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we didn't force no shots, so it, everything flowed. It looked, looked like we had a game plan. It's amazing how from 9 o'clock Thursday night 
when I was ready to ship Willard to wherever he wanted to go coach till now it's it's a big turnaround we've played three good quarters of basketball I think we've scored over like 38 or 39 points in all three of them quarters and it's just I mean it looks like we're actually running an offense the defense has been good all year uh, and I don't mind us missing shots if it's shots within the offense. Like the threes we missed the other day, they, they were coming within the offense, mm-hmm. and it wasn't like five seconds on the clock and yeah. we're throwing something up. It yep. seemed like we didn't force no shots on Sunday. I'm sure we forced one or two, but it, I can't remember anywhere. And it almost resembled the flex what we were doing. We were getting the ball into the middle of the lane, and then he had like two or three options. First option was, of course, pull up. Juju played his best game as a Terp. I and, will uh, say, bad coach on Brad Underwood. Yeah, they didn't double They didn't him. double it at all. Yeah, he ate he, him up. He had uh, 20 points, 11 rebounds, 2 assists. Jameer had 28, 2 rebounds. And then basically he had Dante with 9, Geronimo with 9, DHS with 5. Yeah, he had a big 3. Noah with a big 3. And uh, the Swanton Bomb with, yes. a, with a great uh, a little pick bucket. and roll action. Yes. yes, caught actually under the back, basket and put it up. Shane, what do you got? By the way, Shane, thanks for coming in the house today. Oh, gl- always glad to be here. Uh, I did not catch the game on Sunday. I was at my grandfather's funeral. All right. Oh, but, all right. All right. Uh, <laughs> we'll give you a pass, Shane. That's fine. Okay. okay. Thanks. Just all this right. once. Right. Yeah, well, actually, called DVR, though. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I'd like to say I'm responsible for this win because uh, I've been watching a lot of Maryland basketball, and we keep losing. So maybe so Shane, I won't be watch watching the next game. We'll just have to see. No, we'll go on a crazy run here, not lose another game until April 8th, the National Championship. Shane Blake, I'll tune in. I'll tune in. Why not? Lose by about 30. Um, but just looking at the at the stat sheet, uh, you guys talked about on the last pod how DHS is not need does not need to be the point guard. Jameer Young is the point guard, and he had eight assists, and that just shows just what we were talking about when – when DHS is playing off the ball and Jameer's being the playmaker, that's where we need to be. And it looks like maybe they figured out some spacing issues if Juju got a lot of touches. It sounds like 20 points and 11 rebounds. He was involved. Yeah, no, I agree, agree 100%. Tricky, were you able to watch the game or were you at work? Uh, yes and yes. I was at work, but uh, I did get to watch some of the game, uh, you know, bits and pieces, not in its entirety, but uh, – just to agree with what Dave said about it actually looked like we were playing under some semblance of an offense. Uh, everybody was where they were supposed to be. It wasn't just running around, throwing up shots like you mentioned. Um, and, yeah, we, we had uh, single-digit turnovers. That's been huge, and that's part of it. If you know where you're supposed to be and where everybody else is going to be at that time, it cuts down on the turnovers. But when you're just running around, throwing stuff up, and trying to you know make things up on the fly, then you're going to turn the ball over. So you know the discipline that I saw was encouraging. Uh, I do not just for this week want to fire Kevin Willard. You put uh, down the axe. Oh no, no, it, it's it's sharper than ever. Uh, Jawan Howard, good lord, man, uh, good win yesterday, but um, that Mich- that Michigan team's rough. Uh, but now nah, we've just got such a gauntlet of a schedule, man. Um, but it's, it's one game at a time. Uh, and that was a great one. Um, you know, uh, I think we have a shot against Northwestern if we play the way we played. If we play the way we played against some of the other teams this year 
in our five losses, then um, we don't stand a chance because they can blow the doors off of you uh, scoring-wise. So, um, you know, if we play like we did uh, with Illinois, because that's another team that can score, and we kept them under 70 points. If we keep Northwestern under 70 points, I'd be happy, and I think we would come out with a victory in that. Well, just taking a look at Northwestern here, uh, the team did stay out there. They didn't come home. Northwestern lost to Wisconsin. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me pronounce it right. Wisconsin. Yeah, there, there's no T. No, there is no T at the end. <laughs> uh, they uh, Northwestern lost 63 to 71. Uh, they beat Penn State, a struggling Penn State team. They beat Michigan State, and they lost to Illinois by about 30. So it depends what Northwestern team shows up. Um, I like our chances. Dave said he's hype. First time he's been this hype this season, right? Yeah, I, I've watched Northwestern a couple times. They do tend to pack it in. That worries me a little bit because that don't exactly play their strength. But And it looks like they're a little similar to us. They have Boo Booey. We have Jameer Young. Yeah. The only good news is we have Juju. They really, I mean, they really don't have that go-to guy down low. So, I like our chances, but it all depends. If we, I mean, I've noticed one thing. When we keep the turnovers down – we pretty we do pretty good. Yeah, we've played three good quarters of basketball in a yeah. row. So, and I've noticed, like starting that second half of the Michigan Michigan game, we've played Jameer off the ball a little bit, and he's come around that curl, that screen, and he's hit that runner in the lane. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. yep. they they figured something out. Yeah, I just just keep the momentum going. I know our schedule is not the greatest look at, at for us, but just keep stacking wins. All you yeah, we do. got uh, our next five games are all quad one games, and yep. you know that's big in the committee now is quad one so if we can get Man, say we, four of them I mean, say, we're, we we're go, right on the bubble we go four and one here we are the talk of the talk of the town because i don't think michigan state is that good we have them at home the kids will be back in campus dave will be in the house with the, uh, we'll who, who the are you house. taking with you uh my father-in-law's going colleen's going my brother-in-law my sister-in-law and i think i'm gonna see if my dad wants to go there it is i'm pd gotta have pd in the house yeah. uh and then we go to Iowa on January 24th. Never have played well there. Maybe, just maybe, we can eke something out and then have Nebraska at home. And then we go right back to Michigan State. So we're going to find out what we're made of quick, fast, in a hurry. A lot of people, including us, thought the season was doomsday, but they've given us a little bit of hope. Let's just stack wins, stack quarters, should I say. Anybody else want to say anything about Maryland basketball before we move on? Uh, yeah, I do, Jordan. Uh, you just mentioned if we were able to go four and one in the next five. Um, not only will that put us in the NCAA tournament talk, but that's going to shoot us up probably oh, yeah. in like the top three in the Big Ten. I mean, yeah. the Big the Big Ten has not been a dominant conference by any means, with the exception of my Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, it has been uh, it, <laughs> it's, it's been kiss some hit death. or miss. Yes, the kiss, kiss of death. death. They're done. Sorry, the state of Wisconsin, but I've been been uh pretty high on you guys the last two or three well let's uh, talk weeks. about it wisconsin is five and oh 13 and three overall i uh put us put wisconsin in the top 10 for our big banner uh rankings for the top 25 purdue's at four and two indiana four and two two teams we lost to so they have a tiebreaker over top of us but then illinois at three and two northwestern three and two nebraska three and three minnesota three and three iowa three and three maryland three and three so it's log jam there Look, that Minnesota game hurts a little bit now. I would love to be 4-2 and two right now, tied for second. That'd be huge. But guess what? We have plenty of games, have plenty of chances to build a resume. We have a long road ahead, but it's not over yet. Just hope we can keep the momentum going and just stack wins all you can do. Yeah, also, uh, 
Chance Stevens. Yep. Maybe yep. maybe he'll be back soon. So that's something I didn't expect, but something we need to. And that's something like he won't be like a big part of the offense. But if he can come in and knock a couple shots down for us, that's that's, that's big. huge. Yep. Yeah, that's all we're missing is that deadly three pointer off the bench. If he can get back healthy and come in and knock some threes, or if Kaiser can figure out his shot. So somebody's got to knock in some three-pointers. Yeah, I, I don't know if Kaiser's ever going to figure out that shot. <laughs> well, it was encouraging to me that we scored, uh, what, 70-some points and only hit maybe a couple three-pointers in the whole game. Um, so that should tell the players that it's not as important as they think. I mean, Dave's mentioned running a two-pointer by, um, by Jameer. Well, that's what you have to do. You know, you've already got the big man down low. So, if you draw double teams on him, which, again, they foolishly didn't do there at uh, Illinois. Um, but, yeah, it, it opens up a lot of space when you've got a guy like uh, Juju down low. So, there's plenty of room to hit 12, 18-foot jumpers. It doesn't have to be from 23 every single time. So, Real quick, before Dave leaves, tricky. Yes. Hand me those gummies. That's the first thing. Uh, shout out to, I guess it's Hoosiers Happy Hour now, not the formerly known as Leo Podcast. Uh, another bag. One bag's for you, Tricky. One bag's for Biff. One bag's for Lee. Lee, Lee, have fun on vacation. He's down in Costa Rica. Uh, and then hand me the box. Let's go to the unboxing. A taste have... of Indiana. I saw the live unboxing. That was yes. th that was uh, thrilling. Our first Turtleheads YouTube has dropped. It's a three-minute thrilling, thrilling video check it out on youtube turtleheads talk um let's build this network boys we're already the best of the big banner why not be best in the country right am i right or wrong so if you didn't watch youtube we have some cashew crunch some homegrown indiana popcorn another gummy bear uh nuts about indy uh, they we, love their nuts in indy yes they do they and they have plenty of them uh they have the chocolate pecan turtle shout out to the turtles uh, it's crunch time pretzel pieces, but yes, the part Shane's been waiting for. Not only are we unboxing, we're untasting the s'mores balls. Uh, th this is the only reason I came today. Full disclosure. Shane, you're trying the first one because, oh, thank you, Tricky. There it is. This Yo. is live, folks. This man is eating a s'mores ball. Is it everything you dreamed of? And more. It, it is, actually. Is it good? Oh, wow. Let me see. What's inside of it? Nice. Nice. It looks like a s'more inside. A oh. chocolate-covered s'mores ball. And it's crunchy. Wow. How and do they, they do that? They only make these in Indiana? Only maybe, Indiana. Maybe that's an Indiana delicacy, but I was checking out these Albanese gummy bears. I'm a Haribo man myself, but... Uh, Aren't we all? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not from Indiana. No. My wife likes these. Does she really? Yeah. God bless her. Um, yeah, they're from uh, Merrillville, Indiana. I didn't know that they were uh, big on making gummy bears out there. But, uh, right, yeah, again, on. thank you to the former Love Everyone podcast, now known as the Hoosier Happy Hour. Hoosier Happy Hour. Dave, are you going to take the cashew crunch with you when you leave? Open it up. We'll try it. All right. What do you right. think of the s'mores ball? Not the greatest. It was okay. Kind of like I know in Maryland we make air s'mores. They're warm. Yes, and the marshmallow soft. So. Yes. All right, cashew crunch. Here we go. Tricky. Clear the palate. 
just got to do it, Shane. Not a big cashew I guy. Tell, so I can this, tell on your face. Could be, this could be interesting. This it appears to be cashew like brittle. Peanut yes. brittle? Like yeah. instead yeah, of peanut that, brittle, it but is. it's made with cashews. Tastes like peanut brittle. All right, Indiana, 0 for 2. Moving on. This isn't bad. Nuts about Indiana. No, and I did enjoy the uh, s'mores ball. Uh, different texture, as mentioned, yeah. but clear, clear uh, the not palate. bad. Clear the palate with the McDonald's. Our sponsor, McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm loving it. Yes. Um, Shane, take a nut. What kind of nut is it? Um, I don't know. Let's read the ingredients here. It's nuts about Indy. Um, almonds. Chocolate-covered almonds. All right, how are we, what are we doing here, boys? I still got this damn peanut butter on there. <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually not bad. What the almond? No, the peanut butter brittle. I'm about to say yeah, cashew brittle or cashew brittle. All right. So do they? I'm a farmer. I should know. Do they grow a lot of nuts in Indiana? I'm kind of getting. I'm the, assuming uh, so because there's plenty the of them on Twitter. Yes. No, yeah. Well, nuts yeah, everywhere in Indiana. Yeah, it's a nutty bunch there, but um, they must because many of these. Uh, Gifts are of the uh, nut variety. What is that? Milk thing? chocolate pecan turtle. Ah. Another nut. Yes, but it is a turtle, oh, so we're down with that. Caramel. We're all going to be sick of the dog with all this chocolate. Be bouncing off the walls. Mm. Moving on. Turtle time. Tastes like a Snickers, maybe? No, it tastes like a turtle. You've never had a turtle? No. I'm a fan of this. You like mm-hmm. that? Yeah. I think it's more like a Milky Way. I right. don't know. All I know is this has to be thrilling for our listeners. Yes. I'm As we say. <laughs> <laughs> this is what YouTube's for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, if only you could watch us stuff our face with this junk. I can't get it down. Um, that, that's been my favorite, though. Also, mm-hmm. that was the best, actually. Um, they also gave us St. Elmo's Steakhouse World famous shrimp cocktail sauce, very spicy. Boys, I would love for you to try something, but I'm gonna hog it myself. No, you're welcome to that. Is I, I do not eat seafood, so I have no use for cocktail sauce. However, St. Elmo's, a famous Indianapolis steakhouse, they say um, whenever anybody plays in Indy, be it uh, NBA, NFL, everybody always has to make a trip to St. Elmo's for their steaks. You don't like cocktail sauce? No, you, I do not. How about you hold the cock? Just the tail sauce. Hey, 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 that's a little shot for turkey. Or not turkey. Wow. Lee. Lee. Yeah. Dude, what? Yeah, I don't know, man. This guy's all hopped up on sugar, but. Uh... What? So there it is. The Taste of Indiana brought to you wow. by Turtle Heads. Thank you to Leo, Happy Hour, Hoosier, whatever they go by these days. But thank you so much. And thank you to uh, the Spartan Podcast. What do they call it again? Spartan Dog and them? Bacon Wire. Bacon Wire. Bacon Wire. Did they finally do something? No. Oh, okay. No, they're still on our crap list because uh, they were the first bet that we made, and we've still received absolutely nothing from either the upper or lower peninsula of Michigan. Of the mitten. Yeah, only people that haven't paid up. All right, Dave said he'll stick around for just a couple more minutes. Let's talk NFL playoffs. Break down the games for us, boys. What do you want to start with? Saturday's games. They are... As follows, your Baltimore Ravens are starting off the Saturday ticket with a game against the Texans at home. Who do you got? I Dave? thought we were going to talk about last week's games. Yeah. What's there to talk about? 
Steelers suck. Who do I have? Dolphins are paper champions. No, 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 no. And Joe Flacco you, has hung it up. You said a recap the of the East NFL. Is oh, a yeah. joke. You just got it. Yeah, NFC least. So that's why we're moving on. Divisional round. Baltimore Ravens. Joe Flacco. Who do you have, Dave? Oh, with a turtle in his mouth. Oh, it's upset city. Oh, dear father. Nah, I think Ravens handle it at home. I hope so. But I do think it'll be a better game than opening week, though. Didn't yeah, you all yeah. like kill them in opening week? Yeah, like twenty four to nine. Yeah, I think what, they've gotten better. I think. Yeah. I think we have too. What's but. the line on that though? In, uh, in Baltimore, nine, favorite minus line? Nine. nine. Yeah, Baltimore's I thought I nine. saw nine earlier. I would you know. say I would. I'd probably take Texans plus nine on that game. I think it's gonna be a close game. Texans are good. They have all the momentum. Well, there's only one turtle hit that's been riding the Ravens on the picks all year long, and that's me. So what you doing? boys would not pick her. Oh, they're covering. They cover at home. Minus nine. You're taking. They it. cover every week at home. The Ravens cover. All right, there it is. You heard her here first by our bookie. Dave I think Wade. it'll be a close game all the way through, and then they'll get that late touchdown, put them up by about thirteen. Tricky. Yes. Packers 49ers. Jordan Love. If you don't remember, I called that last week. I said Jordan Love and the Packers will beat the Cowboys. They destroyed the Cowboys. And Can they, they do it again? I I really believe so, and I don't think I'm the only one out there that thinks they've got more than a fighting chance against uh, San Francisco. For one, they're hot, and that's minus and nine and a half on that game. The uh, the Packers are, are dogs at nine and a half. Yep. Mm-hmm. Goodness sakes, I don't gamble, but uh, you, you would you yeah, would dabble in that. Yeah, one. I, I I think I'd smash that. Um, but uh, you take the Packers with nine, yeah, nine and a half, sure. Because, uh, I mean, San Francisco's been sitting home doing nothing. So is the Ravens. What's that supposed to mean, Dave? We just took them. How's that turtle, Dave? It's good. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Shane, Buccaneers, Lions. Buccaneers did it. They upset the Eagles, but I think everybody kind of saw that coming because they were the higher seed, but I think everybody thought the Eagles could do it. And then the Lions finally did it. They won a playoff game. Yes, yes. Uh, that's almost like the Steelers stat. They made that very well known that the Lions haven't won a playoff game since 1991. But anyway, um, I, I'm torn between this one. Uh, if Baker Mayfield throws for 350 yards like he did this past weekend, I don't know if you can stop the Bucks. The Lions are six-and-a-half favorites. Mm. I, I think the Lions I, can do it. I think the Lions win, but I think I think the Bucks. I think the Bucks hold them to keep them to like a field goal or something like that. Bucks cover, Lions win, and then I'll take Chiefs Bills in Buffalo. Buffalo is minus two and a half. You don't want to let me pick the old Chiefs. Ah, Patrick Mahomes here. Um, two and a half. First time going on the road. Um, Taylor Swift's gonna be cold. Ah, uh, Chiefs win. Uh, it's crazy though. You, you hope this the is, win. This is the first you time. Because th- I give you credit, you said about seven weeks ago. The you said I'm scared hot. of the Bills. Yeah. You said they're going to get hot, yeah. and they have done it. They've done. And no violence to Plus, you, if they, you saw it coming. Plus, if they lose, he's got to retire the uh, the Patrick Mahomes. I'm pulling. Uh, for, I, yeah, we I'm, need I'm that. pulling for it, man. Yeah, we, we need that. This this is the first time that Patrick Mahomes has played a road playoff game in his career. Yeah. Other than the Super Bowl at a neutral site, all the games have been at Arrowhead. I, that, that's I crazy. You. So I, probably I, I can see it now. Next week, if they lose, Jordan will be telling me he's a terrible quarterback because he's never won on the road. Probably I mean, just you, like all you these said terrible it, Dave. coaches. I'm just and everything. With you. <laughs> well, I know someone that's more excited for this game than all of us are. 
And that's going to be the announcer on CBS, Tony, Tony Romo. <laughs> Romo. Holy cow, he is probably losing his mind this uh, week pa- going Patrick for Mahomes that. Patrick Mahomes dropped back and just threw a beautiful pass, and then Josh Allen, and oh, they could each win the Super Bowl. And look at this, guys. Oh, he's terrible. Yeah, the worst. He is. I mean, I kind of liked him when he first started. But I didn't. Followed. I never liked him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, didn't, I didn't like him as a football player. No. I don't like him as a commentator. I don't like him as a Corona salesman. Yeah. Like, none of it. He's the worst. <laughs> so, um, I think we're in for a great weekend of football, but let's talk about the coach of vacancies. Trick's favorite topic. Uh, Bill yes. Belichick's out. Mike Tomlin, we don't know, but it's looking like he's out. Asked about it yesterday at the press conference. Mm. And Mike did what Mike did. His eyes were big, and he walked out the door. Um, yep. I have seen some stuff. Mike McCarthy might be in trouble. Uh, what's the Eagles? Sirianni. Ser- yes, yeah. Nick Sirianni. Absolutely. He's in trouble. Um, I don't know. I don't think you build a good football program by just firing coaches. One that has took you to a Super Bowl and playoffs back-to-back years. Philadelphia, be careful what you wish for. It wasn't that long ago. You weren't much. And you might walk back into it again. But I've seen things of Bill Belichick in Dallas. Mike McCarthy in Pittsburgh. Mike Tomlin, I don't know where he'll end up. I mean, he's not that good of a coach. No, he's a terrible coach. <laughs> I, saw, I saw today, just before I terrible come here, coach. that um, Bill Belichick was uh, meeting with the Falcons. Yes. So, I'm not sure. They didn't want Lamar Jackson. Maybe they'll want Bill Belichick. I saw Harbaugh met with the uh, the Chargers yesterday. That is also true. And Shaw Merriman said if he would have known, he would have locked the door and never let him leave without a contract. Um, I do think Harbaugh is gone. There's a lot of Michigan fans saying, oh, he's not leaving. He's not if he's interviewing, if he's testing the water, it's tricky. We've known Harbaugh for a while. He's done what he's needed to do in Michigan. It's time for him for a new challenge. He, he's going to take a pay cut, though, right? Yeah, probably. probably yeah. Yeah. He interviewed with uh, Minnesota two years ago, I believe. I don't think money's the issue for uh, Harbaugh. No, it's the fact that every time he goes to Thanksgiving dinner at Daddy Jack's house, <laughs> he's got to sit across from his brother who just wants to show off the Super Bowl ring all the time. Who has it better than us? Nobody. But. I think Harbaugh does go to the NFL. Oh, I do too. And I, th- I, think I think San Diego's the spot too. I think there's one coach and one coach only for the Washington Redskins. Who's that? Mike Tomlin. I take Tomlin. No, no, hundred percent. I'm dead serious. I'm being for real right now. I think he is your coach, your next coach. I don't I think so. It. No, I can see it. I think I'm gonna say you were hire. Who? We're hiring the coordinator of the, uh, of, the, the Lions. of the Lions. Yeah, was no. it Ben Johnson or something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Not a bad hire. Oh, uh, you, you shit on it last week, so I'm glad you're coming around. Is, is, it, a good, is it a good football yeah, move? I'm it's glad a... you're coming around to it. Hey, hey. He shit all over it, and in the, in the next breath he told me, y'all need to hire a young, young coordinator. Well, ain't that what I just said? Right. Well, uh, the word I heard uh, is that Belichick is looking really hard at the Eagles, and that could actually work because they have a good general manager, and that's what killed the Patriots is Bill was the general manager, and he couldn't draft or squat. Well, that's what I'm wondering. Is he going to go somewhere where he wants to be in charge still? If he's smart, he would go to the Eagles. I mean, they got an owner that always puts the money up for the players, doesn't you know end up uh, in the media. I mean, you because they were talking about him going to Dallas. Yeah, like he wants Jerry Jones having – uh, sharing a press conference with him every after every game, dude. He, he doesn't want that. But uh, it would be a Jerry Jones move, though. It would. Be. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. I'm surprised he hadn't hired Dion yet. <laughs> Give it time, no doubt. But there's your NFL ra- recap. Uh, we can do a. Uh, I'm glad we mentioned Dion. 
Yeah, Dion, baby. Got and and I've seen his son. His son was on Twitter right when a uh, Saban left and was like, "Come on down, boys. Come on down." <laughs> he um. What all the Bama boys? Come on down. And they're leaving left and right. Let's talk about that. Nick Saban has left college football. Do you think it's for forever? I do. Yeah, I think he's done. His last play as a quarterback sneak is that? What, is that really going to be his? That's what he's going to be known for. Yeah, that was terrible. Dude, terrible. he's got. He's the greatest college football coach no, ever. No, no, ask Jordan. He won't be. He, he's <laughs> he's massively one, overrated. I he, mean, he's one too many. Yeah. Is Coach K the best basketball co- college basketball coach? He's one of the no. best. Yeah. Is he though? The best? I say no. You know why I say no? Because he looked like a rat. Yes, but second off, all the talent he had, and he had a lot of letdown seasons compared to great seasons. I would say Dean Smith, Bobby Knight, or John Wooden. Dean Smith had some great teams that never yeah. won either, unfortunately. You don't remember or, that. You don't or, remember watching Dean or, Smith play. Well, so. Jordan's in his 20s. You don't remember watching Dean Smith now. play. I mean, coach. You don't remember <laughs> watching him coach. Or Mark Turgeon. <laughs> I don't know. Over the years, I've I've come around to Coach K, I guess. I hate him, but he could do it. I mean. Yeah, he looked like a rat. Uh, Moving on. I hate it. I I think you've left Monk speechless, which doesn't happen often. I got a turtle in my mouth. I was going to say, I I, I think it's these sweet treats from our friends in Indiana, really. uh, I don't know. To me, the greatest college coach of all time is Gary Williams. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hands down. Then Bobby Knight after him. Mm -hmm. And that's not even biased. That's the truth. Yeah, I mean, that's that's to me. Let me just make this point. If Gary had just one of the Dukes rosters, they would have won a national championship. I think Gary did more with less, and Coach K did less with more. But Gary had some good teams. I oh, mean, yeah. Less, I mean, he had number one draft picks on teams and yeah. didn't get out of Sweet 16 with him. You know, he had Francis. He had Joe Smith. I mean, he had good teams. And Gary also, I mean, I'm not dogging him, but he also choked away a 21-point lead in the Final Four, too. Yeah. What, did Gary but choke that away about or that. did the players choke it away? Well, I mean, you got to give Call credit one way or another. Or I mean, and let's keep that going. Uh, the poll came out the other day. Someone asked who are the best since 2000, the best Maryland point guards. Your options were Blake, Grievous, Mello, Cohen, Young, Flat. Tell me why he was an option. And uh, Gilchrist. In my opinion, I ranked it as what they did at College Park. Blake won, won a national title, ran the greatest offense in Maryland history with the greatest team in Maryland history. Number two. I gave to Vasquez because he might have been the most electric player since 2000 to play for Maryland. Number three, I gave to Gilchrist, like Dave said, the greatest weekend in Maryland basketball history. And then number four, I say Cohen over Mello. Was Mello great those first two years? Yeah, his third year was kind of like, eh. But Cohen, four years. He won all four years. And then, I mean, Cohen and Mello are like 4A and 4B. That's Cowan. Put some respect on him. Cowan. Put some, Cowan. Put some, you're showing him Cohen the whole time. Shout out Cohen Muir. Yeah. Put, yeah. put some Cohen respect Muir. on the man's My name. Bad. That, that's terrible, son. I just I just call him Cohen. Cohen's on mine. I was just texting Caleb. So anyway, Cowan. I'm, I apologize. Cowan and Mello, uh, 4A, 4B. And then Young, because it's only been two years. He is doing something magical. Now, if he makes a run here, he could go up that list real quick. And then, because I will say, Cowan... Never made it past the second round, so Young has an opportunity. And then Flats, thanks for coming, I guess. I mean, it was one year, terrible year, whatever. Agree or disagree? Do yeah. Have, do you have a different top three? Well, I'll put Grievous one because – Because you're the biggest, I'm, greatest Vasquez fan I've yeah, ever met. and I think Grievous was the second best player in Maryland history, so. And first was? 
I think Juan Dixon. I don't remember Lenny. Yeah. I mean, right. I can't say. So in your in lifetime. My, in my time, Grievous is the second best player to ever yeah. play in America. I, I Better than Joe that. Smith. I, I think so. Stevie Franchise. Yeah, I think so. Because we had such I mean, a small in Maryland. Example. In yeah. Maryland. Well, yeah. yeah. Now, Joe, Joe, is, Joe, Morris, Joe is three Ooh. on my list. Joe Joe Smith's number three. Well, I love watching Terrence Morris, so. Yeah, but, but Terrence Morris is in top ten all the time. But Grievous, yeah, I mean, look, look at his numbers. I mean, he's the only player ever to – what's his – look up his career numbers. Rebounds, assists, points. It's it's ridiculous. Either way, I, I definitely have Blake number one. Well, um, I mean, Blake – Blake, they're two different – Two totally different type player, players. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And you don't win a national championship without Blake. Yes. I mean, he was – he was, And we didn't win a national championship with Gravis because yeah. that's not the way the team was built. Um, well, and you didn't have Juan, Lonnie. Oh, you of course. It. I mean, it's – it's but No, that was, that was, that was the perfect team. They're two team. totally different players. But like you said, mine is mostly because – That's your boy. And it's 1A, 1B. I, love, yeah. I like them both. I mean – Let's go real quick. Grievous, 136 games played at Maryland, started 123 of them. He shot 42% from the field. I'm trying to pull up his points here. What the heck? Uh, let's go here. He had 2,100 points, 2,171 points, um, 191 steals, 772 assists, uh, 647 rebounds. I mean, like you said, he, he filled the stat box every game. Grievous was electric, though. Electric. Yeah, but he had to. That's mm-hmm. Blake didn't have to do that. Yeah, yeah. Let's Blake did what he had to do. I mean, I guess no one can put Blake two on any list because like he's you got said, the ring. He's, yeah, I mean, he's got the ring, and I don't know. I just like a more traditional Blake, pass first point guard. Blake, and he was certainly there. What? How many assists did Grievous have? Um, seven hundred. Yeah, that's the knock on him. Everyone yeah. says, "Oh, he, he ball." 700 some assists in his career. I mean, yeah, that's sure. no, I mean, and Blake, I think Blake had the ACC record, didn't he? 972. I think Hurley has the record. Okay. I think Blake was two. Okay. I think then, he's still two, I believe. And then uh, he had 1,100 points and he had 465 rebounds. So, like you said, totally different player. And I, I could be wrong, but I believe Grievous is the only player in ACC history to have over 2,000 points, over 500 assists, and Six, seven hundred rebounds, or something like that, or set five hundred rebounds, seven hundred assists, something like that. I think he's the only player to have them numbers. No, he, he was he was a great uh, a great terrapin, but again, I'll I'll never put anybody above Blake unless I don't know. You just it. want to see Blake come down and put the old the two down. Oh so. my gosh, man! I just knew that we were in good hands. You know, to tap in the head. So yeah, man. you know, Gary Gary walks out, throws the fist in the air, and then he hands it over to Blake, and then you know he was he was like a. A maestro out there conducting the uh, the orchestra, uh, as it were. This interview with P. Sean Howard is brought to you by Jones Creek Design. Jones Creek Design is customized woodworking that makes artwork and custom furniture. Inside the Turtlehead Studio, we have cabinets and shelving that were handmade by Jones Creek Design Company. And we also have all the artwork, including our logo posted right here on the wall. Jones Creek Design is by far the best woodworking you can get in the lower three counties, if not the state, if not the country. Contact Jones Creek Design on Instagram for all the latest and greatest. But without further ado, here is our interview with Mr. P. Sean Howard. Go! 
my big veins. Self-made, you just affiliated. All right, now without further ado, we have a special guest. It's been hard to get a hold of because he is a busy man, a busy man. But it's Mr. P. Sean Howard. Sir, how are you? Man, I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for having me for man, sure. Thank you for coming on, man. Let's let's just start off. A lot of people don't know P. Sean. Maybe they forgot P. Sean. But look, P. Sean Howard played for the University of Maryland, played under Gary Williams and Mark Turgeon, recruited by Gary Williams, and he attended Oak Hill Academy. But he is from California. Is that right? Yes, sir, Los Angeles. Well, let's start it off. What brought you to Oak Hill? How'd you get there? Um, Oak Hill really had been like a kind of a dream school for me. Um, I first found out about it, I think, in like sixth grade. Uh, a lot of the, like our AU program, you know, was very connected to like the high school team. I like had one big program. So um, I remember going to a high school tournament in Vegas, just going to watch a bunch of the top teams with a few of our AAU coaches, and I saw Oak Hill, and I just fell in love with it. And then on that team happened to be one of my, like, childhood older friends, uh, family friends, Marcus Williams, um, who I was just a big fan of anyway. So once he went, it, it became like, you know, it seemed kind of attainable. So we just – I remember my dad sending a letter um, in sixth grade just reaching out about the process – and so, um, knowing it was a boarding school, um, you know, I knew it was kind of people like transferring. So I just kind of like stalked the program out, honestly. And then when I got to like high school, I, uh, I was really close with Brandon Jennings and a lot of people on that, the team that he was on, um, I happened to know as well. So just really a bunch of connections that way. Um, and then talked to Coach Smith and we were good to go. All right, so let's talk about your recruiting process. What schools were recruiting you out of Oak Hill? Uh, I don't. It was it was all over. Um, I think I had like a wide range of like different times of interest. So I remember like having a lot of Big Ten schools early. Um, like sophomore year, I have remember Indiana and Ohio State were pretty hard on me. Um, I remember getting. I got UCLA, USC kind of later. Um, Virginia was an up and down process. South Florida recruited me really hard. Harvard recruited me hard. Stanford. Um I'm trying to think. Um Florida State for a little while. Uh so, Maryland, obviously. So you had your you had your pick. You had multiple schools coming after you. Yeah, it was but it was interesting because like I said it was like in waves. So it'd be like a select few at a certain time where it was like it was never really at a time to pick. Like, even at Maryland, like, my recruiting process was interesting because I think I was really close to committing my junior year, and I feel like they're really on the strong. And then it kind of seemed as, like, you know, the, the relationship wasn't as strong, and then I feel like I ended up kind of committing, and people were, like, surprised, um, you know, at the time that I committed. So, like I said, it was, you know, it was, it was a wave of schools. I remember late kind of wanting to wait um, and seeing what other schools – like kind of wait to see like from really like the blue bloods. I feel like I had towards the end of my process, I had everybody but like the blue blood schools and thinking about waiting, but we had a lot of guards in my class, um, 2010. And that was like the first year people were starting to wait to commit late. You know, everybody was kind of doing those the first few years of one and done. Mm -hmm. So I was like filling out that process. And, um, I remember Maryland at the time, uh, you know, Grievous and Eric were seniors. So I was thinking about the fact that 
two spots would be opening up at the guard position. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, I had a relationship with the Maryland coaches already from the junior year, so it kind of got reestablished. Um, maybe the summer going into senior year, and so just kind of going from there. Coach Eason, uh, I knew Coach Giselle. Actually, that was the first person that really started the relationship. Uh, coaches Chuck Giselle. I knew I met him like when I was in eighth grade. Um, so once he got the Maryland job, he had reached back out, and then Coach Eason was was really a a big part, and then Coach Booth uh, would come and see me a lot, and then Coach Williams um, late in the process was a really big part of just you know being being vocal and talking to me and just making me comfortable. So, so why was you know, it, what what made you choose Maryland? Was it was it was it Coach Gary? It was. It was Coach Gary. It was really the whole staff. It was Coach Gary, the whole staff. And the fact, a huge part was the fact that Grievous and Eric were seniors mm-hmm. and um, and were graduating. So you look at that recruiting class that Maryland brought in, Michael Parker, P. Sean Howard, Terrell Stoglin, Ashton Pankey, Mr. Hawk, and, of course, Brendan Wise. Um, you look at that class, and that was at the time we didn't know, and, of course, you didn't know that was Gary's last full class because he would retire after right. your freshman year. Let's talk about that. Was it was it a shock to you when Gary retired? It definitely was a shock, um, but like a like I was happy for him and and proud of him. You know, he definitely earned everything. So it was a shock from the. It was a shock like at the timing of it. But I think just going through that season with him, um, I, I wasn't horribly surprised. And I said, I think that was even part of why my junior year um you know I, I didn't commit because there was a lot of rumors of like what was going to happen with coach williams mm-hmm. and you know that that junior year before grievous senior year they it was like an up and down year yep um you know so talking to him going into uh, going into college you know he pretty he, he assured me that you know he would be there because like i said that was the biggest issue for me um but like i said going through the year and knowing how hard of a year was you know, saying just the season, especially on him, like I completely, completely understand. I remember being at the uh, ACC tournament and seeing him after our final game, and you know, just you can see he kind of just relaxed and like let his hair down, and you just see that he felt good to like you know that that the season was over and he can kind of relax a little bit. So I was surprised at the timing, but I was actually like really happy for him. Yeah, and and you look and you look at that recruiting class. I mean. You know, my, Michael Parker, yourself, Stoglin, Panky, Hawk, uh, Brendan. All, nobody. I, I think nobody actually finished at Maryland, but it was a very, right. it was a very underrated class. I mean, Michael Parker was the highest rated. You know, we really never got to right. see his potential, but you showed your potential in your three years at Maryland. I mean, you had your sophomore injury year, but I mean, you came in. You were ranked ninety two on ESPN. Stoglin, we knew what he could do, and. I just, I guess, looking back on it, if Jordan Williams could have stuck around with you and Stoglin, and Gary would have stuck, maybe, maybe of course not your freshman year where we had a down year, but the sophomore or junior year with you three, and it would been Jordan's senior year, I, I couldn't imagine what Maryland had been capable of. But at the same time, I have to understand, you know, Jordan, Jordan saw an opportunity to go to the NBA, and then of course, um, we'll talk about one of our not most favorite people in the Maryland era <laughs> is Mark Turgeon, but, and I think. Stoglin, when we had him on last year, he summed it up perfect. You know what I mean? Like, there's no reason to hate the man anymore. It is what it is. Yes, what he did wasn't didn't make us feel great. But let's talk about that. Let's talk about going from Gary Williams to Mark Turgeon. Like, what a difference that was. 
Ah, <laughs> great topic, I think, especially for me. I feel like people probably, um, you know, kind of want to know I take. I haven't thought too much on it, you know, um, a few conversations with different people have me realize. But I think the, you know, it just was a difference for us. And I think this happens with most programs when the coaching changes, like, um, you know, you're just, it's one player, it's one coach's style and recruits compared to another coach's. And usually they're, you know, for whatever reason, usually it's a, it's a bring a, di- bring a different staff, bring it, you know, a different type of player they want to recruit. So I think that was like the biggest thing with coach Turgeon with our group. Um, I think we both were just calling the transition time. I think with our class, you know, we had a big class and like yeah. a lot of times classes don't stick anyway. So I think the fact that, for us, it was just our class probably planned out so fast. You know, a lot of people were either, you know, out or hurt after, like, the first year. And so I think for him, it was kind of caught, um, you know, it was kind of caught in a shuffle. And I think that was, like, the biggest riff and just the changing of guard with coaches and really just in the recruiting style. Um, it was interesting what you said that I never really thought about is just, like, the potential of our class. Uh, I know going into – into the seat or going into Maryland, it was, um, I feel like there's a lot of excitement around our class. I feel like there was a lot of excitement around that recruiting process for the 2010 class. With a lot of guys, you know, Maryland had an opportunity at a lot of high name guys. And then like with, you know, Terrence Ross, like decommitting and being there for a while. Yep. Uh, so I feel like it was really a really fun process. Um, like you said, so I think the biggest thing for myself that I, I, I would say that I feel like my style and really personality style fit more with coach Williams. And I think that was the biggest thing with our recruit with our recruiting class period. I think we fit more with like what you were saying, Gary Williams style. Yep. And I didn't even think about, you know, Jordan Williams being like you said, cause being around him and at the time, like he was killing. Him. It was never even, I was surprised he left, but it was like never even a thought that he was going to be around two, definitely like the next year. So like you said with that, and I think with us, what our if our class would have had a chance even to just you know grow and mature in the Maryland system, and really a big part of our class was just health. You know, Hawk left first year. I feel like Mike um, and Ashton had injury space. I was injured, so you know I think like you said, if that class could have stayed together and stayed healthy, it would have been a solid class. And you know I think it, it, like it's a style that we want to play for both coaches, honestly. Well then, and then let's talk. Let's let's fast forward a little bit. So. Your last year at Maryland, uh, you're coming off your ACL injury and your and your foot injury, and it's Turgeon's second year in the uh, at Maryland, and you all roll off 25 wins, and the, the I think the biggest surprise to me, you brought in those those good freshmen, is the fact that you were left out, and of course the transfer of Des Wells, but you were left out of the NCAA tournament with 25 wins. But not only 25 wins, two wins against number two Duke both times. What was that like, uh, Selection Sunday, being left out? It, it was interesting even be, like, in that process, especially after the first two years and, you know, not really having a chance to be in postseason. So it was even exciting. I mean, I think with everyone around the program knowing, like, it was such an up-and-down year. Um, just like you said, as much as we had, like, the good wins we had, we had some bad one, bad losses. So – I think going down to it and knowing that, you know, we lost to Carolina. Um, and even people were saying, like, even if we won, 
it would have been tricky, like, in that championship game. Like, we probably would have to win, which you get the automatic bid. But yeah. knowing that, like, it still was basically up in the air. And basically, people were saying we need an automatic bid. I think after we lost, we all kind of were, like, hopeful, but knew that it probably would be, you know, be a slim chance. And I remember, I do remember watching the process and just, like, being in my room, just being, like, not like I said, not being hopeful, but also just being interesting, like actually watching TV this time and hoping for our name or even seeing our name in the NIT bracket. Like that was still pretty, pretty surreal for like, you know, going through it for the first time. I think that's how and why programs go. And even like you said, if you fast forward, would have been interested on if I stayed with, you know, stayed at Maryland, stayed with that team. I think just going through that NIT process and a postseason together, like the team. Um, what really bonded and did well that next year? Yeah, because the the year after you left, uh, they brought in, of course, Demonte Dodd and Roddy Peters, the the quote unquote replacement for you. But the the worst part was that year Maryland took a like a backwards turn. You know, of course, Alex Len left to the NBA, but they fall to right. seventeen and fifteen, nine and nine. Now looking back on it, don't you wish the transfer portal was a thing for you, <laughs> like it is these kids today? I mean. Did you have to sit out a year before you played your senior year, or were you able to transfer and play the next year? No, I was able to transfer and play the next year. Okay. Um, it's interesting what you say about the transfer portal. I feel like, one, looking at it now, like, I don't know. Like, as much as, yeah, for trying to transfer, like I said, I didn't have to set up. But I think it's kind of – it's definitely made it an interesting storyline, but just how much it's changed college sports and college basketball. Uh, it's it's – it's interesting, you know, it's not like the same. You watch a person grow with a team and get that, that relationship is very much like, you know, almost kind of pro sport and like free agency. So it makes it interesting. But I also do think that me in that group or those years of, you know, starting to transfer, me transferring, and, you know, like the next year, Maryland had a lot of transfers and I think COVID hit. But I just feel like that we were kind of the space of where the transfers were starting to be like, you know, impactful and, and starting to make a shift to even be able to have a transfer portal now. Uh, so uh, what are you up to now? Um, I know that you've uh, had a few stints with uh, some G League teams. You did a little bit in Mexico. Are you are you currently with a club right now, or are you uh, just not, concentrating on your business? Uh, not with a team right now. So, you know, hoping and waiting for that call. Um, been talking to teams and shuffling through offers and things like that. Um, so still wanting to play and goes to play pro and play as long as I can. Um, preferably right now, uh, you know, I would prefer like a G league team or something here. Something um, domestic like, because, uh, as I was reading up on uh, what you've been doing lately and you have some business interests. Um, you have, you have a, what is, what is frostbite? Can you tell us about frostbite? Oh, so, so that was a business so really what happened was just like during COVID, wanting to you know see and learn outside of basketball always been interested in the business outside of basketball but you know also also with basketball and, you know they tell you prepare by life after sports so um for me i kind of wanted to start early realizing like when you're pro there's a lot more downtime so just being interested that was like one of the first um companies that we look to franchise this is ice cream it's an ice cream company out of Miami, Florida, um, alcohol, alcohol-infused ice cream, though. And it was really good. We uh, we ended up not pulling the trigger on that um, on that business. Um, but 
the more things that we do now is um, I started an agency and um, called Breed Elite Agency, which is like a sports agency. You mean for representing um, other like athletes, this, you mean? Yes. But it's also like creative talents, you know, music, art, um, even, you know, just entertainment as far as like TV and um, like modeling and stuff. And then um, really big in nonprofits are the P. Sean Howard um, Foundation. And the biggest thing recently, like on the basketball side, is kind of just the YouTube and social space of, of basketball. Um, I got uh, Dev in the lab is a big influencer, but um, more he's really a trainer, and he just, you know, started doing kind of did it a while ago, probably like ten years in now. Um, I went to the gym referred to from Pujir, a basketball player, um, and I just went to go. Really, I was just trying to get in the gym because I was getting, I was in and out of the G League. This was not this past year, but the year before. I was in and out of the G League, and I was just like, if I had a place to just work on my game, you know, the opportunities are coming. So I didn't know who he was as far as like a, you know, social person. I really wasn't on social media or anything like that at all. Um, but he was just telling me, well, really, that was the first time he posted me, like the clip, you know, really took off. And so I just learned about this space, and he's, taught me about but a lot of people you know that come around dev through his own influence um it just really taught me about the space so just more kind of mutual space one as like a athlete and the talent and playing in it but also learning and developing the business and creating opportunities for uh other basketball players and other creative people you know through um social platforms or, you know, things like, like a podcast. So mm-hmm. there you go. Um, so when you get your podcast yeah. started, we join up, Pishon. <laughs> no, nah, exactly. For real. So that was in like in this space. And I think for me, just, you know, I think that's even knowing what we going around. Like as much as I try to be out the way, I'm a, you know, a people person, interact with a lot of people. And the main thing that I've known in these fa- or seen in these fa- last few years, especially with like the, you know, I, I keep calling it the social space. I'm not really sure you know, another name for Web3. Um, you know, a lot of things are leaning, leaning towards streams, views. I feel like that's where, you know, internet is going to be. So really just helping a lot of the, you know, there's a lot of players that don't make it to, for sure, NBA, but even, you know, overseas. And then even the people that are making overseas, it's a grind there. So just other opportunities to be able to, you know, monetize basketball. Right. Absolutely. Now, Pishon, let me, I'm got a couple of questions for you here. So sure. after, after your freshman year, Gary retires and the coaches search yeah. begins. Did you hear mm-hmm. the rumors as a player that Sean Miller was in the mix? Did you hear that? Yeah, I heard, I heard his name. Uh, I heard his name was in the mix and it was kind of early, but like the way his name was thrown out there was, it sounded like it was like hopeful as far we hope we get his attention. It didn't sound necessarily like, you know? Yeah. I, like, say, like, I, I, I would have to admit, like, as a West Coast person, which I know Sean was coaching out of Arizona at the time, but was that someone you were like, man, we got to get Sean Miller? I'm not going to lie. Like, I be telling people, too. For me in the process, like, or just school period, like, it was all moving so fast. So, like, even the gap between Gary, you know, retiring, which it wasn't like we were prepared for. It was like, we have a team meeting tomorrow. You feel know I me? Mean? Like, and that's what it was. And I think the next coach was hired in um, a few weeks. So it really, for me, was think about if I wanted to transfer or not. Yeah. Um, and 
and at that time, you know, it was a lot more, like I said, it was kind of um, opening up. And so for me, it was, it was just trying to, I was more so concerned on, I think, like, my position in, like, Maryland program and what, you know, kind of what was best for me. Um, you know, I had a good freshman year. Um, so I was more so waiting to, like, which kind of happened with Coach Trace, I was waiting for the names to be, like, narrowed down or, like, we're interviewing such and such today, you know. So I feel like that, that was the trauma that never really happened. Um, I do – I was really close to one of his assistants, though, Book Richardson. So from that space, I was super hopeful, but I wasn't, like, too invested on the coaching side because I just knew, you know, we had limited say-so in that. And, like I said, it was like, you know, I could be out of here. So um, I was kind of more so – at the time when his name was brought up, I was still, like, kind of – listening to schools and seeing what those options were like. Now, Pishon, have you been back to College Park since you left? Yes. Um, I've been a few times, honestly. Like, um, one is just such a, you know, big campus and so big in the community. So I know a lot of people in the area, like Damatha. You know, so it's always like I'm always around, so I stop by. Um, and then I've always known – you know, some people on staff, but like even this year, I actually went to the UCLA, UCLA Maryland UCLA game. So oh, nice, nice. Um, that was a good one to attend like, for sure. Yeah. So Coach Jones, um, oh, yeah. you know, I've been close with him, yeah, since high school. So um, him, I've actually chance trained with us. Like, it's, that's the wildest, one of the wildest parts about this. Uh, chance has been training with us for the last year. So, you know, for me, it was one of a kind of a full circle moment when he decided to go to Maryland. Um, his family's from Maryland too, so it was more well, that than me, I have to think. Let me ask you this, Pishon. You got firsthand experience. Right. Can the man stroke it? Because obviously, we haven't been able to see it because of injury. Yeah, I can hold you. Chance, <laughs> Chance is a sniper. Like the thing that that I was, you know, I'm excited for Chance is like one he one just how he carries himself, but how he shoots the ball is like kind of beyond his years, you know, so like, he really knows how to shoot. He knows how to get open and get his shots. Um, so I'm, I'm just excited. Like, and we talk about the time of just adding to his game is, you know, his scoring package and being able to make plays. And, you know, he has the time to do that. I think, you know, only being really but a sophomore. So I'm excited because I think if his, the way he shoots the ball, if his game grows, like he's going to be, a, you know, he's going to be a serious player. He's going to be a serious player, period. But like, to have that impact that, you know, the Maryland fans would want him to have and you guys want him to have, like, yeah, he could shoot it. Yeah, and, and like, the thing is, I know the season isn't over yet. We got a big win on Sunday against Illinois, and we have Northwestern tomorrow. Right. But but the thing is, like, if Chance – and, you know, I kind of – I'm indifferent on both because I could understand if Chance would say, hey, look, I would love to help the team out, but I want my three more years of eligibility. I don't want to burn it. But at the same time, if he does right. co- if he does come back and he plays this year, like what a what a meaningful impact that would be. Yes, he's going to give up basically a year of eligibility, but his outside shooting, which Maryland is lacking right now, could basically open up Juju down low and and let Jameer do his thing. I don't know if you're watching much Maryland basketball or not, but we're we're excited for the prospect of Chance. You know, what I mean, we really didn't know what we were getting, but everything we see and what we hear is that the man can stroke it. Um, you know that was a great point and like especially for me so um i did you know i've been keeping up i always kind of keep up man for sure it's definitely a national basketball brand but like i said going to the ucla game um, i was able to see up up close person also jameer 
uh, is really close with one of my close friends. So um, I've known him for a while. So watch, I remember, <laughs> I remember during the game when he scored forty, he looked at us and screamed forty. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, but yeah. So I think with Chance, and like I said, that's actually interesting because that was my, you know, dilemma or um, issue yeah. when I was playing. Right, yeah, coming exactly. back from injury. Yep, you missed nine. You missed nine games, and you got to decide: is it worth it or not? Right, and so you know, it, it's interesting. I so when I look back, I remember in my head, I was like, I gotta play. You know, I'm not gonna lie. There was there was rumors of like after the freshman year, and you know, our sophomore year with Jordan leaving it being wide open. Um, I remember talking to Coach Terzin, and he was like, he's gonna let me play, and I was playing a lot anyway, coming off injury. So I was thinking a chance of like really being able to stamp, you know, NBA position and. I think the biggest thing with injuries is that that I didn't realize at the time, and I would just like a chance to realize is that it does take a little second to get back, you know, and not in a bad way, like you can play, but to the full, you know, potential that you feel. And for me, the the tricky part was like one, and I came back right in the, you know, two games before ACC play, um, and he'll be coming back in right into the mix of things and just. Realizing that pressure and kind of ease his way into it if he does, I think, like you said, his shooting, it will help this team a lot. This team, I think this team is really good. Um, I think it's just a few games away from stamping his identity. I think he's got, you know, creative scores. But just like you said, have that outside threat that he's going to stretch the defense and people have to constantly worry about a chance to help that, even if he's not at his full, you know, full strength. So, I think just kind of that's the value of the team and how he feels that, you know, what he can maximize this year and then what he could maximize in the two years or maximize in the three years, you know. So that's really kind of up to him and how he feels. Uh, you know, I, we haven't talked about it, but it's definitely an interesting, like, question and just kind of concept. Um, you know, people coming back from injury midseason, it's a little tricky. Well, look, Pishan. You've summed it up. You gave us a sneak peek of chance, but we're not going to let you go that easy. What we do with all our guests <laughs> is we got to do rapid fire, man. And and what we're going to do, we're going to ask you to also say one more thing. Oh, towards, hit, hit me with towards, towards the Mark Turgeon space, I actually didn't address that part. Um, kind of what you said, too. Like, you know, for me, like, I, I didn't know that <laughs> that was kind of like the, the Maryland energy behind it. Like, so when I was at the UCLA game, um, I was recognized by some Maryland fans, and that was what they said too. So I don't know. Like, I think I think the main thing that I was surprised is that like his longevity at Maryland for how it seemed to kind of be up and down. But I think, and I would like to ask you guys too, though. I think that you know, for the longevity and what he did in the Big Ten, for sure. Um, you know, you got to kind of, I, I, you know, kind of take my hat off to it a, a little bit. I think that you know. He, well, we won, he could have maxed out more, but I mean, he had a few tournament runs, you know, the teams were, for the most part, especially after, like, you know, finishing up with Dez and going forward, the team kind of stayed towards the top of the Big Ten, stayed ranked, so, you know, I just think that, I don't know, I think for him it was a big transition going from, you know, I don't know, I think just style-wise of schools, you know, Maryland, I think is just a different type of system, I think the expectations are there too, or, you know, it's just the media base is different, like, you know, they'll, they'll be on you, but it's, like, high expectations. So I think for, like, the pressures that he was facing, like, he definitely 
survived, you know, for a while. He no, was there yeah. for a while. And, and, and here's, and, let me try to sum it up. And I know a lot of our listeners already know our answer, but here's how we sum it up over here at Turtlehead. Mm-hmm. So he was there 10 years. You know, your mm-hmm. first couple of years, it's hard to judge a coach just because you got to get your players in there. Right. You got to get moving. So you give them the pass for the first couple of years. You know, you had that second year with you where you jumped up to 20, 25 wins, didn't make the tournament. And then they had the down year, but then Mello comes in and we kind of call Mello. Right. Like, he was like save Turgeon's job. So Mello, yeah. Mello, Dez, Cowan, they had a great run there um, from 2014 to 2020. And yes, did, did Turgeon put up a lot of wins? Absolutely. But here's the issue with the fans. So if you look at Turgeon's behind the numbers, you're like, man, he won a lot of games. But the problem was every, uh, I would call it preseason before the big 10 started, it was cupcake. Play, uh, teams that we played and I get that sometimes you have to play some cupcakes to get your team rolling but we were getting no big games like for a while there our biggest home and away right. series was against Oklahoma State so the first problem is it. yeah the first problem is the alumni base and the fans they want us to play I mean you watch like Gonzaga Duke Arizona yeah. today they're playing like anybody and everybody and like Turgeon never I mean that played. happened with us my my the year you know that junior like you say with the 25 wins like we were what I think 14 and one or 12 and one, but we couldn't crack the top 25. Yep. And then, and then you go into the ACC play and you kind of like muddle around 500. And and the other other thing was Turgeon always had his teams playing great from November all the way up to about beginning of January. But when February turned its head, everything went down. And then the the mantra of the tournament runs. Yes. He put us in the tournament. It wasn't, you know, Maryland, man, with Gary, they yeah. want to. They want to be in the to get to the, Yeah, yeah. We be getting to the final four. Like, exactly. That's the goal type play. Exactly. Well, and that's the unfair thing, Pishon. Um, you know, we are hard on Willard, uh, especially because of the way he left. Uh, but we've asked yeah. the question ourselves on this very podcast: Did Gary make it impossible for anybody to coach here? Because we've we've fired Willard about three or four times this season on our podcast. Nah, so. Nah. You know, it's it's like having to live up to a certain expectation. Um, so, I mean, you know, Willard did the best he could, I suppose, but he, he really left us. Uh, Turgeon. I mean, I mean, yeah, Turgeon rather really left us um, wanting a, a little closure instead of him just oh. kind of sneaking out the back door. He, he, he didn't yeah. he didn't leave on the best of terms, but uh, I like what we have going on now um, this week. Because we've run off yes. a couple of wins, but like but, I said, two weeks ago I, I was ready to uh, go to College Park and uh, say, yeah, fire yeah, myself. But it's kind of it's almost like okay. Oh, no, the, the, the thing is, like Chris is trying to say, the one thing I think Willard has done that Turgeon refused to do, and you might be able to attest to it, was Willard embra- Willard embraces the former players. Turgeon almost yeah. he kept oh, it in yeah. his circle. And I think that's what – I mean, look at Gary. Gary didn't have to embrace anybody because Gary built that program to what it is. Right. And, and, and it's just like – it was like you just said. You said it was a big jump for Turgeon. I, I, I summed him up as mediocre or mid-major ter- mark is what I called him because he would be mm-hmm. great at a, at, a non-basketball yeah. school, at a non-basketball school. And the fans here are just – they're so thirsty for a competitive year-in, year-out basketball team. And like you said, we, we enjoy Willard, what he's done, bringing in the past. And, you know, we started off a little rough this year, but it looks like we're finally getting going. But we just mm. – we want to win, man, and we want deep runs in March. That's all we ask for. No, but I mean, like I said, I have my own, you know, share of the experience and definitely fan base, media base. Um, I always tell people it's kind of dope now, like having conversations. And as you talk it out, you're able to realize even more about 
you know, the past or what was going on. Um, and so I think that's too why I kind of like be a little bit more sympathetic towards Margaret being so harsh towards him. Because I say, even for me, I felt like, you know, kind of for sure underproduced. But I think, I think it was like this, but I think for me, like if I would end up playing with Coach, you know, Williams, I would have done a lot better. But I think the thing that I realized the value of what Coach Williams had, um, you know, a lot of the better coaches in the, you know, from Coach Williams' era, they're really good with um, player relationships. You know, like, I feel like I, I couldn't even remember with Coach Williams, like, a lot of X and O talk, you know, but there's a lot of stuff where it was just like, P go hoop or PBU or, you know, don't, don't overthink it. Like, you know, a lot of people saw the yelling, but one, I don't remember getting yelled at a lot. <laughs> and then two, <laughs> um, even when it was, like, it was stuff like that. Like, you're not being you, you know, like, I don't know who you are right now and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I think with, I think with Turgeon, like you said, um, you know, I just think that was kind of his struggle. I think that's what, like you said, I think, the people were wanting more um, to build on that. I think people feel like, yeah, you had a great foundation. And if you were more inclusive to just the whole, everything, like I said, former players, maybe even more the fans. Um, and I think that's true about the Maryland fans that, and, you know, kind of the misconception where people are like, they're hard. And even for myself, it's like, I realized later, just those expectations because they want, they want you to win, but they also felt like, you had the space to do so or the space to succeed. You know, I feel like I feel like I still be hearing my name a lot around Maryland. I'd be surprised. And I'm like, you know, I didn't feel like I, I didn't feel like I did that well, but then I'm like when people look back at it and like the impact, um, you know, I'm like, yeah, actually I was I was doing pretty solid. It's just for me and I think everybody else wanted like we see the potential where I could have did and we wanted me to do more and do better, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Well, look, Pishon, let's do it. Let's do rapid fire. I, I, you're trying to put let's it off. It. I, I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> look, we're going to start off with a cupcake here. No let's salt, no sauce, just French fries. Who has the best French fries? You said just French fries? No sauce, just French fries. So you can't mm. be dipping your fries in no sauce. It's just straight raw dog and then French fries. Man, this is tough. I, I want to say, say McDonald's, but I'm going to go with Burger King. That's, he's like the third or fourth one in Sudbury. Yeah, King. well, that's because uh, yeah, he's I right. No, no. Nah, nah, <laughs> yeah. uh, I've always been a Burger King guy. Uh, I did have McDonald's today, and um, I was not happy with my fries, and I wish yeah, I had gone to Burger right. King. They, they, yeah, they get all the hype McDonald's, but uh, Burger King's doing it right. Um, yeah, they don't miss for real. So here, here's my uh, rapid fire, one of my rapid fire questions. Um, mm-hmm. Who is uh, one teammate? from your Maryland days that you still uh, still keep up with and talk to on a regular basis? The wildest part is really that most of that, my junior team, uh, I talked to Sean Mosley pretty recently. Um, I talked to Terrell maybe like two weeks ago. I talked to Jan- that James, like James Pageant, that group. I thought we had like a little group that kicked. I think I talked to Evan like two days ago, Nick Faust, um, uh, Seth, Alex, like Charles, I talked to Charles Mitchell so much. <laughs> so, yeah, I talked I talked to a good amount of guys. Uh, I think the part for me is that like I still be talking to the players that have you know come. To, I saw Rodney Peters, matter of fact, uh, three weeks ago. So. Nice, nice. Hey, now, Pishon, we're gonna have to hire you because we've had Sean, we've had Dino, we've had 
Oh yeah, we could do that. We had Terrell I, I on. Get, yeah, I could get you some players. I ain't gonna hold. Absolutely, <laughs> I'm gonna hold. I'm gonna hold your feet to the fire on that one, man. You need to get us some guys on nah, here. But uh, the but my next question for you is your favorite memory at College Park. Now look, it don't have to be on the basketball court. Just your favorite memory at College Park. If it is basketball, so be it. But if it's not, let us hear it. Um, dang, that's a good question. I'm like, I had, a, I probably had too much fun and too many good times at College Park. But for real. Sticks out to me probably means more now for real, for real. Uh, when I committed, Absolutely. Um, we committed at Maryland at practice, so it was fire because like they were having practice. Coach Williams came over to me. Uh, I've never sitting next to my dad, and just you know us three sitting there. And then I think like Coach Eason came over and uh, he didn't really sit there. They were kind of like hovering around, but like Coach, it just Coach came and broke it down. I was like, yeah, I don't really do this, but uh, <laughs> and so he offered me. I'm like, well, I wasn't really thinking about doing this, but uh, let's go with it. So nice. That nice. was like the epic. You, you didn't you didn't need all the social media and all the attention like some of these kids do today. It's a, I mean, it's turned into a reality no, TV I, I show. Not not to age myself, but we didn't really have. I think guys were then like doing the the ESPN. Um, you know, the ESPN ones, but it wasn't like people could go as, you know, dramatic as they do now. So it'd be interesting now. I mean, like, like it wasn't like a post of your top, you know, top 10 and break it down to like a top eight. Like how it goes now, it'd be, but it'd be cool to watch, you know, people are creators. All right. I got another uh, rapid fire question for you. Uh, if you could only listen to one artist, who would it be? Rala Rodriguez. Well, I'm gonna yeah, follow Tricky's question with, if that's the case, mm-hmm. what what song? The song for sure is BMF. Rala Rodriguez BMF, I think is probably the greatest song in the world. <laughs> I gotta say, Pishon, you just stole us for a loop. I don't think either of us have heard of that artist before, and let alone not heard of the song. So, with that said, we will play that song for you to close out our podcast. But look, Pishon, hey, yo, that is hilarious. <laughs> we, we, we appreciate you hopping on. I'm sorry it took us so long to get together, but we did it. Uh, is a great interview. People are going to love it. And once again, as always, go Terps. No, definitely. I appreciate it. Go Terps. And like, yeah, don't be a stranger. I'd love to come back. Um, and I will be out that way um, doing some basketball events and stuff like that probably within the next month or so. Well, you so said you said, hey, you said you're, you said you're friends with Faust and Evan. So that means yeah. they, they told you about secrets in Ocean City then, right? Have they ever, nah, they never told you about nah. secrets? I would say okay, because that's what we're close to. I was gonna say maybe maybe we just when we get all the guys on there, we just do a thing at secrets. That's how we'll do it. <laughs> Let's do it. That'd be fire. I ain't gonna lie. All right, peace, Sean. Look, man, be safe. Good talking to you. I appreciate you guys. Man, have a good one. Yep. All right, thank you. A swing and a miss. That's right, tricky. Let's talk a little baseball. But you're asking how we're gonna talk baseball in January. Uh, Jackson Holiday looks like the truth, future Hall of Famer. But speaking of Jackson Holiday, how about his papa, Matt Holiday? The 2024 BBWAA Hall of Fame ballot. Tricky, would you like to run down the new nominees? That is the Baseball Writers Association of America. They are the ones that uh, prepare the ballot each year. And uh, yes, Jordan mentioned that um, Matt Holiday is on the ballot this year. Um these are all first-timers, uh, Jose Bautista, Adrian Beltre, Bartolo Colon, Adrian Gonzalez, Matt Holliday, Victor Martinez, Joe Maurer, Brandon Phillips, Jose Reyes, James Shields, Chase Utley, and David Wright. They are all first-timers. 
Um, and then real quick, we're turning to a ballot. We have, we're not going to name them all, but probably the guys with the highest chance. We had Todd Helton, who had 72.2% last year in his sixth year on the ballot. I think he has a chance. Do you, do you agree, Tricky? I just don't know. I mean, Fred McGriff finally made it in last year, and that was long overdue. And I'm sure his numbers are similar to that of Helton. Um, but then you got Billy Wagner, Andre Jones, Gary Sheffield, Carlos Beltran, A-Rod, Manny, Omar, Andy Pettit, Abreu, Rollins, Burley, K-Rod, and Torrey Hunter. Um, like we talked about earlier, you have to have 5% to remain on the ballot. You're on the ballot for 10 years. But here's my issue. Just like everything else in this world, we're becoming solved. If none of these guys make it, all it takes is the Veterans Association to put you through. Like Harold Indeed. Baines is a Hall of Famer. Eh, big Harold guy, big fan, but yeah, Hall of Fame, I don't know. Not so much. Yeah, so they've kind of ruined the Hall of Fame. Um, but it is what it is. It's still pretty exciting. Uh, Shane, take your prediction of the new guys that we did just named or maybe one of the old guys. Who do you have? Just give me one name. Who do you think? One name One name from the new list is got to be Adrian Beltre. All right. Tricky, give me one name. Well, let's let's do one from each. Um, how about somebody from the um, the uh, returning to the ballot? I don't think uh, any of Shane. them. Except, oh, okay. No. Um, Todd Helton, 72% last year. I, I'd be interested to see the previous years if he was getting higher and higher or if he's kind of plateaued at that 70%. You don't have to pull it oh, up. Oh, we have the ability, okay. Shane. Uh, I, I would say Todd Helton. Somebody that's on that list that does not have – um, a lot of offensive skills would be Omar Vizquel. His stats don't blow people away, but my goodness, that guy could play some defense, and I, I would love to see him get in. That's somebody that I always enjoyed watching, him and uh, him and J-Roll, Jimmy Rollins, uh, just two great shortstops in my time that I looked up to, but I don't think either one of them are going to get in. They, they're barely making 10 15% of the vote right now. Well, you look at Gary Sheffield being – his 10th year on the ballot. And I think the problem with him is he played on too many teams. And there was some question about whether or not he was part of that Balco, uh, thing with, um, bonds. So, uh, is, is that what's keeping Manny? A lot of them. Oh, I would out. think so. Yeah. yeah Manny. associated with steroids. I'm, we yeah. know a rod's not going to get in. Yeah. I mean, Did they put Ortiz in the, no, good. Is it? I thought he. I thought he Wait, was already yeah, in. Big, big Poppy's right. in. Yeah, yeah. Big yeah. and that's ridiculous. Yeah. that's ridiculous. We all know he used. Yeah, he yeah. was. He was a nobody for Minnesota, and then he joins yeah. Man Ram, and all of a sudden he's the king of Boston. Yep. Um, You're right. You're right. So tricky. Give me your two. One off the old list, and one off the new list. All right. Off of the new list. Um, yeah, Shane mentioned uh, Beltray. Um, so I'm, I'm gonna have to take uh, Joe Maurer. Um, not often you see a catcher with the offense that he had, uh, but still being a, a good defensive catcher. Uh, sometimes you have to sacrifice defense for offense in that position or vice versa, but uh, I think he acquitted himself nicely on both ends. And, um, yeah, I'd have to go with Joe Maurer. It, it's it's kind of easier to get in as a catcher because um, you know, there's plenty of outfielders out there, but – Every team only has, you know, a couple catchers. So, but still, I like Joe Maurer. Give me him from the new list and from the old list. I mean, some of these guys just don't deserve it. I don't know about Helton. I mean, Billy Wagner was okay. 
I was never an Andrew Jones fan, but he certainly was better than a lot of these other guys. But, um, you know, there's the, the steroid uh, concerns with him. Um, and you look at a lot of these guys that are still waiting on that list. That was the problem. Pettit. Um, but, um, nah, I'm not going to pick any of them. And um, I, I have to agree with you. I mean, I think Todd Helton's the only one that has a true shot. Um, and, th- and then the other guys, I just don't know. Like, did Adrian Gonzalez and Matt Holiday have good seasons? Yes. Were they great? Yes. Yeah, Mark Burley had a couple of good seasons as a yeah. pitcher, but he had some bad ones too. Exactly. Uh, but are they Hall of Famers? I don't right. Know. Um, I mean, you can make the argument for Carlos Beltran. I mean, but I, if I have to pick one off of the uh, the other list, give me a Rod just because. Look, an A bomb for a Rod. Yeah, you got these steroid punks in there already. So well, there's one. Well, Ortiz for sure. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, well, then give me a rod. <laughs> we want two. Yeah, well, give I mean, me two. Look, I mean, the guy put up sensational numbers, and uh, you know, I look. I think Roger Clemens is a Hall of Fame pitcher, but and he only know. tried steroids once, right? Just once. Well, no, that was Andy Pettit who only did the one time to recover oh, from an injury. Wait, that yeah. was uh, Ron H- Washington. H-H. Ron Washington only tried coke once. That's what it was. Right. That's what it was. Yeah, you believe that one too? Uh, yes. Um. Didn't he just get a job? Didn't somebody just yeah, hire him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dusty Baker just got a job too, by the way. Just said advisor mm-hmm. of the San Francisco, San Francisco Giants. Oh, okay. Um, advice. Leave LGBTQ at home. It's baseball. Um, so you're taking Beltre and Todd Helton. You're taking Joe Maurer and A-Rod. And I'll take Big Sexy Bartolo Colon. Just because, why not? He's still doing his thing over in our number one podcast for the Dubai Baseball League is the Turtleheads. That's right. He's still doing his thing. And then off the oldest, shout out to Drew Gleason, my brother-in-law. I'll take Andrew Jones. So there it is. There's our predictions. Probably won't be. We just gave the kiss of death. Every, all those guys listening to our show, I'm sorry, Adrian and A-Rod. You just heard us give you the kiss of death. But Shane, do you hear that in the background? Oh. Oh. It's right. It is tennis time with the turtle heads. Where are we headed, uh, Shane? Oh, the turtle bus is gassed up, and we are headed to Australia, mate. Yes, sir. Uh, we're going. I don't know if the Mont Party bus can make it that far. Um, I don't know if the bridge is done, according to Joe Biden. I don't know if the bridge to Australia is done. But we are back. Australian Open is live January 7th to the 28th. One of the hottest. Of all the opens, am I right, Shane? Oh, always, always. It's uh, brutal down there, down under, as they say. Is the Joker allowed? Uh, yes, he is. So he is playing. COVID's over. Yep, We're back. Yeah, and I think on the men's side of things, everybody's looking forward to seeing Novak Djokovic versus Carlos Alcaraz. Yes. They are definitely the favorites to reach the final, and they are destined to meet each other in the final. So we'll see if uh, somebody has any other ideas. How about center? Who's center? You're asking the wrong guy. Center is the, the one of the expert. few players capable. Oh, center. Yes, there you go. Yes, let's put it on center. i got to find center's first name. Uh, Rafa Nadal is not playing. I do know that. Uh, didn't he retire? No. No, he just had an injury. Tricky pronunciation, please. Jonic? Uh, Yannick, yes. Yannick center. Yannick center, uh, plus 550 to win it all. Uh, a, uh, um, um, what was his name? The guy who's like A-Rod. The Andy A-Rod. Roddick. Yes. Yeah. Andy Roddick is not making the uh, favorite. I, I do spy a Maryland Terrapin at plus 10. Th- uh, no. How many zeros is that? 
Plus 10,000. Uh, yes, plus 10,000. He a Terp. He a Terp. Francis Tiafo. Uh Yes, uh, he's a good uh, dark horse for the quarterfinal, as always. Um, but yes, uh, Ken Joker. What would this be now, Shane? Joker has the record now, right? Yeah, yeah. So he's, he's, like he's one ahead. Or he's one ahead of Nadal, two ahead of Shane. Fred. Just this is gonna hurt you, but just think, Connor's gonna grow up. Your son Connor, and he's not even gonna know who. Mm, don't say it. Federer even is. Yeah, well, he will as long as I'm his father. Because he'll be like, well, Dad, if it was that good, how come Joker has so many more? Uh, fair point, son. I will say though, in your defense, because I know you're a Federer guy. Federer had steep competition. Joker got Federer and Nadal at the end of their careers, and he said, like, no competition. I mean, Nadal and uh, now, um, Djokovic. No, your boy. Federer. Federer. They had to play against the greatest of all time. <laughs> Andy Roddick. Andy Roddick. Yes. The greatest of all time. Yeah. Well, I, I do like um, defending Federer, and I will say that of his uh, 22 major championships, he won them at three Grand Slam events not not four like the rest of them because Nadal always won the French yes Mm -hmm. so you take away the French Open from Nadal and he's got he's got Jack Squad Federer does have one French Open title so he's got the career Grand Slam yep yep Yep. he does but well let's keep it going with uh get in the hole mashed potato light a candle how about four tricky give me a four four before we go. go into that I guess I'm gonna find out if you know what four means, because it looks like I'll be caddying you at the Great Hope. Some call it the Great Goat. I was waiting for you to bring that up, Jordan. For um, 18 holes. What you uh, lovely award-winning listeners may not realize is each week the four Turtleheads, Dave Lee, Tricky, and Jordan, all pick five NFL games, one favorite, one underdog, one over, one under, and one lock of the week. Last year, the loser had to eat or had to spend 24 hours in Denny's, but could shave an hour off for every pancake they ate. COVID, COVID heaven. But apparently, whoever that was, is from Michigan State because they never paid up. <laughs> but I think I'm going to earn it twice fold, Tricky. Yes, I am back to back loser two years in a row, but Tricky's going to make me earn it. Yes, as um, it might be quicker to be twenty four hours at Denny's than to play eighteen holes with Tricky. It very well may to be caddy. because I am the worst golfer of the Turtleheads, um, and uh, we're going to see all of that great course down there in Westover at Great Hope. And uh, I'm thinking one day this week, man, I'm ready to go this week. Sure, Not you, this you week, didn't Tricky. say when. No, no, no. You said you would carry no. my clubs for eighteen holes. Well, what here. do I care if it's snowing, blowing, and well, just remember, slushy. We have to walk. We're not. We're not. Oh, yeah. We're walking it. Oh, I got that. We're doing yeah. a full PGA tour. Oh, absolutely. We should make it even more. He doesn't interesting. have to carry a bag. Yeah, I'm not carrying anything. We should make it more interesting. How could it be? I, I want to do it in the snow. Let's do. What's eighteen times three? Anybody? Anybody got quick math? Uh, that would be uh, 40, 40, 54. Uh, 54, 54 yeah. whole lead. I will give you fifty-four mulligans, if you can shoot under par. If you do that, you can choose what I need to do. And if you can't, you give me a three-game lead going next year into the Pickums because I obviously need it. Fifty-four Mulligans. That is me. the most confusing. I'm giving. You I think it was on I, purpose. I don't understand. No, I, I think he's trying to confuse me no, and, no, and, tricky, and bait tricky. me into something. Look, I have already won. We cannot change the rules of the game after I've already won. 
Well, so, I know what we will be doing. I will be in the full Masters getup. I'm wearing the full white. Oh, caddy. oh yeah. Yes, I'm going all out for this. I owe the, the turtle suit. heads. Yes, Get the paint suit. Yeah, Get the paint, paint suit. That would be wonderful for our viewers to see yes. on YouTube. Yes, and we will we will broadcast it with um, my name across this back. Yes, you, you have to have the yes. name of whose clubs you're yes. carrying. You don't even yes. get your own name. We nice. will. We will set this up. I will make it happen. I prefer spring tricky. Can we do a round the rip masters? Get in the spirit. Excuse me. Get in the spirit. Come oh, yeah, I, I think we could do that. No, I was kidding about going this week. I am not a cold-weather fan, so I will pick a very yeah, nice day for and, it. And the PGA Tour agrees um, as they are playing. They just finished up their Hawaii swing. Yes. So they played the Century Open and the Sony Open, both in Hawaii. And now they're heading to California for two or three tournaments in California. So uh, that's how they start. They always start off in warm weather. After California, they'll play one or two in Texas and then uh, head down to and Florida swing. I don't know if you all saw a Tiger. Uh, he was yes. on a, uh, I guess a, I don't know what you want to call it, a brief YouTube clip with Barstool. Um, he asked one of the Barstool guys, let's do a long drive. And the the guy that's doing it, uh, he's a he's a great golfer. And he was like, all right, I'll do it with you, Tiger. You know, once in a lifetime, you get a long drive contest with Tiger. Mm-hmm. He gets up and this boy for Barstool titties on one. Like his best shot ever tiger looks at him says that's a good shot tiger walks up to his ball gets down on two knees hits a drive much farther than him from i two did knees. see that yes from yes. his knees yes so tiger i don't care what you say greatest golfer of all time he has announced he will be playing i think one tournament a month and he's going to try to make it through all four majors this year yeah yeah he's definitely doing the uh trying to make all four majors this yeah. is his goal and uh, he's going to have to do it without longtime sponsor, uh, Nike. Yes, Phil Knight has left him in the dark. Um, Tiger made it seem like there was a mutual agreement. Um, you know, I don't know if I agree with that by Phil Knight, but he's the he's the billionaire, not me. Yeah. But maybe Turtleheads can pick him up. You think we can fulfill that contract? Um, we'll make him an offer he can't refuse. We have gummy bears, we have turtles, we have yeah, Saint Elmo. We might have to give up the Saint Elmo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> shrimp. No, that's a deal breaker. But, yeah, so just think, I know it's the doomsday of winter. All we have is college basketball, which is a good thing. We have NFL playoffs, and everything else kind of slowed up. We do have a little hockey. Shane, give me one thing about hockey. Go. Oh. One thing. Alex Ovechkin is not scoring. There it is. That's all we care Tricky, about. Tricky, give me one thing about NBA. Say it. You know you want to. LeBron James. There it is. There it is. So there's your hockey and NBA wrap-up. How about a little tricky trivia? Jordan, we are the number one podcast for – NASCAR. Let's go racing. Boogie, 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 And uh, you know, as the trivia master, I was looking up uh, the artist Pitbull, Mister Three Hundred Five, Mister Worldwide, and um, I had no idea that he's not only an actor, singer, and songwriter, but he's a NASCAR team owner, and he owns the race team. Of Turtlehead Jordan's favorite driver, Ross, don't ever call him Brandy, Chastain. Yes. Yes. Uh, so he is definitely worldwide is uh, Pitbull and his track house racing team. Well, look, thank you again, everybody, for listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Thank you, Mr. P. Sean Howard, for hopping on today. As always, good to have Shane, Dave, and Tricky in the studio. Without further ado, we are out of here. Hope you liked the intro. Shout out Connor Oakley for writing that intro to us. That will be the new Turtleheads theme song. Hey, but we're out here. Love you. Hey.
trying to take it easy. Only way to go. And so. Bread from the streets, pants sagging with my, my drive. 